Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Well, we've just started into a series titled A Walk Through Philippians, and I'm wondering this morning whether I should have entitled it A Run Through Philippians, because we're going to cover a lot of ground today, but I hope that you... uh, are encouraged and strengthened, although we're going to get into some really challenging stuff. We have looked at at how Paul founded the church in Philippi, and in the process of of founding uh, the church, there he was in prison and beaten along with Silas. He writes this letter to the Philippians 10 years later, and and he finds himself in prison again. This time uh, he's under house arrest in Rome, and he's waiting to be tried by Caesar. And the result of this trial could mean either freedom or execution. We have seen so far in this letter that Paul is not discouraged. In fact, he's rejoicing. He'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. One one of the reasons why I wanted to preach this this book of Philippians is to help you to learn uh, to walk well in the middle of challenging circumstances. But I find this passage really challenging. We live in a world where one of our highest values is not dying. Um, There is a whole industry built around living longer. Our world doesn't deal with death very well. Sometimes Christians don't deal with death very well. But Paul looks at death very differently. I know that none of you are in Paul's situation sitting in a prison, wondering if you're going to be executed. But as a pastor, I've been with too many people who have heard a diagnosis from the doctor, and it puts them in a similar place. I have cancer, I have heart disease, I have something rare going on in my body, and the odds are, are known, a certain percentage of the people recover, a certain percentage don't, and... I don't know where I stand. You're like Paul. There's enough of you who are old enough to wonder, what percentage of life do I have left? 25, 10, 5? You're old enough to understand the uncertainty of life. Some of you are thinking, well, pastor, aren't you just a ray of sunshine this morning, right? Well... Today, I hope what I say is both helpful and useful, but it will be countercultural. Let us take a close look at what Paul's saying. Verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Hey, yay! You know, Paul says, I know that you're praying for me, and I know that God is going to provide for me, and I know that I'm going to be delivered. That, that word delivered uh, in the Greek has the idea of being, being made safe. I know that because of your prayers and because of God's power, I'm going to be safe. If you were just reading that verse and you would think that, that what Paul was saying is, I know because of your prayers and because of God's power that I'm not going to be executed. Take a look at the next verse, verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no, be, no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. 
Paul just said that he's confident he's going to be delivered, he's going to be safe, but now he's saying my hope is in Christ and that he'll be exalted either by my life or my death. You know, I could die, I could live. I'm tempted to quote the princess bride in regards to Paul. I don't think that word safe means what you think it means, right? Paul knows what he's talking about. He says, whether I live or die, I've been delivered. If I live, I'm safe. If I die, I'm safe. That's what he means in verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Either way, I'm safe. The only question is, uh, will I have the courage to allow God to be glorified in my body? We live in a world where our highest value, or one of them, is not dying. Paul comes along and says, there are things more important than living or dying. Either way, I'm safe. I live, I experience Christ, I die, and I experience heaven. In fact, Paul goes on to say, there are benefits to living and dying. Verse 22, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I, I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I did desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. If I were the one making the choice, Paul says, I, I don't know how I'd choose. Faithful labor versus being with Christ. There's a lot of people who have a lot of trouble with this passage because... They say Christians are more interested in dying than living. They say we're more interested in heaven than earth. They say we can't live on earth well because, well, we've got our eyes too fixed on heaven. But I believe just the opposite is true. I believe that we can live better here because we believe in a place called heaven. I believe that we can have meaning in this life because we believe in the next life. I believe that the things make more sense in this life because of the afterlife. This is why 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 10 says, It is written, No eye has seen no, uh, uh, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Heaven is prepared for those who love God. And our mind can't conceive it. The beauty, the splendor, the majesty of heaven. Paul comes along, he says, you know, I've come closer, I've had a glimpse of it. Before Paul wrote the book of, of Philippians, he wrote the book of 2 Corinthians. Here's what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ. And if we read a little farther, we come to know that this man he's talking about is Paul himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, and, and whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And I know this man, uh, that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, 
things that no one is permitted to tell. When Paul says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, he knows what he's talking about. He's seen the gain. He's glimpsed heaven. He's he's seen seen things that are inexpressible. He's, He's heard that which is impossible to communicate. He knows to die as gain. Knowing what he knows about the afterlife, he still says, well, for me to live is Christ. He could have said, for me to live is imprisonment. For me to live is suffering. For me to live is drudgery. For me to live is hardship. But he doesn't. He says, for me to live is Christ. Christ is the one who I love most. Christ the one whom I, is the one whom, for whom I would gladly die. Christ is my greatest ideal. Christ is my all in all. Christ is my Alpha and Omega. Christ the beginning and the end. For me to live is Christ. Contrast that, if you would, with King Solomon. Richest man, wisest man. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from their labors at which they toil under the sun? Then in the rest of the book, Solomon goes on to tell people, says, I looked at work and accomplishment, and I found it meaningless. I looked at wine, women, and song. I found it meaningless. I looked at the accumulation of wealth and found it meaningless. I looked at power and I found it meaningless. Solomon pursued those things that most in our world pursue today. And the statement sums sums it up. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But Paul sums up his life. And it's anything but meaningless. He says, for me to live is Christ. The question is, are we more like Solomon or more like Paul? Where do you look for meaning? Back to verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And what shall I choose? I, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is, is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body, convinced of this. I know that I'll remain, and I'll continue to remain with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul says, I, I could live, or I could die, and I can see the benefits of both, and I, if I had to choose, and I don't get to choose, but if I could choose, it would be a hard choice. I think my ministry is necessary right now, so I suspect that I'm going to live. Then he goes on to say this. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together for one faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who opposed you. 
This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. It might be helpful to work back, backwards through this, this uh, portion of Scripture. Verse 29. For it has been granted on, your be- on, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now still here I have. Paul says... When I was with you, our brothers, uh, with our brother Silas, you, you saw that we were beaten and imprisoned. Some of you are experiencing the same thing right now. You, like me, have been imprisoned. You're suffering for the gospel. He says, you have been granted this. That, that, that word granted means to be graciously and generously given something. You've been not only granted the gift of faith in Christ, but you've been granted the gift of suffering for him. Call me crazy, Paul, but I'm not sure that I see suffering as a gift. We try to avoid suffering, don't we? But Paul says, sees it through a different lens. He sees it through what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We don't go out of our way to look for suffering, but when it comes your way, There's a gift to be had in suffering because of Jesus. It's in the middle of suffering where you will learn about his love and his grace. You'll learn what is important and what is true. Don't have time to unpack that all, but let me take you back to verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Of Christ, that whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as for one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any ways by those who oppose you. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul says, "Whether I live or die, conduct yourself in a, in a manner worthy of the gospel." Here's a sign that you are doing that. You're standing firm. It says, I know that you stand firm. Remember what Paul said to the Ephesians? Put on the full armor of God and therefore stand firm. Stand firm over the temptation of the evil one. When you're assaulted and assailed, stand firm. Not only are you standing firm, but you're standing firm in one spirit. In other words, you're, you're standing firm with the believers around you. And you're in the middle of these challenging times, not, not only that, but, 
but, but you're contending for the faith of the gospel. The goal is to stand together in the good news of what Jesus has done for you. The last thing that says you're walking in a manner worthy of the gospel is that you're not afraid of those who oppose you in the gospel. That is what it means to walk in a manner worthy of God, uh, of the gospel. You stand firm. You stand firm together in one spirit. You strive together for one faith, the gospel. You're not afraid. Now let me apply this message to us. Began this message by noting that we've, we're not facing imprisonment for the gospel. But many of us face the uncertainties of life. Here's what I want you to know. If you put your faith in Christ, you're safe both in life and in death. You're safe. You can trust him. You can trust him for your life right now, and some of you have really, really complicated lives. But you can also trust him in death. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. The way to live right now is to walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. That doesn't mean, of course, that you're ever going to be able to pay back Christ for what you've done. And you're not going to be, er be able to earn God's favor. That's not how it works. But it, does mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect and get everything right. But rather, it means that in the middle of the challenges you're facing right now, stand firm. Stand firm in who Jesus is. Stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You encourage those around you and let those around you encourage you. Allow the good news of Jesus to seep deep into your heart. Don't be afraid. I've had the privilege over the years of walking with fellow believers who, who knew they were dying and who had this amazing faith in what Christ had done for them. I've seen a number of people like that. One of the people I think about in, uh, is Wayne Clapp. You remember Wayne, member of our church, lovely guy. Had challenges in life, but go to visit him in a hospital room and it was like you were entering and standing on sacred ground. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain, and he knew it. He understood that there's something more precious than this life. Life with God. He would tell you the same thing that Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This morning we're going to celebrate communion. In communion we remember the good news of Jesus. He died for us. He who knew no sin, who was perfect, became sin on our behalf. He took our sin upon him. That we might know the righteousness of God, God's goodness, God's holiness, that we might know the righteousness of God in him. He took our sin, he gave us his righteousness, when God looks at us, 
He sees us as washed and clean, and he looks at us, and he sees Jesus in us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I would invite you to do that this morning. I want you to know that that God loves you and God's arms are wide open to you. I want you to know that he cares deeply about you. And his highest value is to walk in relationship with you. That you would come into relationship with him. You do that by admitting that you're spiritually dead. See, sin kills us. The wages of sin is death. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when we come to Jesus and acknowledge that Jesus died for our sin, he himself bore our sin in his body on the cross. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. When you say, yeah, I've broken God's laws. I have, I have not been what I should be. You say, Lord, please forgive me. Jesus, give me your righteousness. Come into my life. Fill me with yourself. I'm going to follow you so that I can have a relationship with God of the universe. That's God's heart. That's God's desire for you. We're going to celebrate communion this morning, and that's, that's what we're saying has happened to us when we celebrate communion, is, is that Jesus has come into our life, and, and he's forgiven our sins. We're, we're not perfect, but, but we're looking at following him and trying to follow him. Jesus died so that you could know the God of the universe and walk in relationship to him. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to pray a a prayer like this, like, Lord Jesus, I, I recognize that I've broken God's laws, and I've sinned, and I'm not good enough to have a relationship with God on my own. Please forgive me. Thank you for taking my sin away. I give it to you, and I receive your righteousness. Come into my life. I'm going to follow you so that whether I live or die, I'm yours. I'm safe. You pray a prayer, something like that. Or even if you just take part in communion as an act of faith, saying, Lord, I'm trusting you to forgive my sin. Come into my life. It's by faith you're saved. It's by grace you're saved through faith. It's a gift of God. None of us earn it or deserve it. We can't boast about it. God's unearned favor is yours just by you receiving it by faith. I would encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for those who are challenged with their own mortality, I pray that they would know that whether they live or they die, they're safe because of what you've done for them and because they put their faith in you. I pray, Lord, for those who don't know you but would like to come into a relationship with you right now. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the gift of faith, just help them to believe that you died for them, that you love them. So, Lord, as they acknowledge that they have broken your laws, that they've sinned against you, as they ask for forgiveness and receive you into their own hearts and lives, 
as they give their life to you and pledge to follow you. Lord, I thank you what you're going to do. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.